0: Everything's falling into place I'm right where I
1: should be
2: Girl, tonight we're going to make love You know how I know, because it's Wednesday And Wednesday night is the night that we usually make love Monday night is my night to cook Tuesday night we go and visit your mother but Wednesday we make sweet weekly love.
0: Hello everybody, it's business time on the Uncomplication Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stover, and today we're gonna talk about sex. That's right. It's all sex, drugs, and rock and roll these days at Uncomplication. Because what's more in need of Uncomplication than our culture's biggest hangups? relationships intimacy and sex are a huge part of what life is but these are rarely topics of conversation in this hyper sexualized but utterly contradictory modern world so tonight we are stripping off these cultural taboos with our lovely guests james and angela mitchell founders of love intentionally a small business that helps good relationships stay great angela and james are remarkable people who have prioritized a direct intentional approach to overcoming the bumps and hang-ups in their own relationship eventually inspiring them to bring their experience and methods to the many couples they counsel as an added treat we round out the foursome with my own life partner with whom i have had the pleasure of figuring out all the kinks and complexities of growing together through young love marriage kids adulting and all the changes 18 years brings. So if you are younger, I hope this conversation helps you see the winding and exciting journey ahead. If you are 40-something, I hope this shows you are not alone. And if you are older than us, well, you have the longest experience, and I hope you feel empowered to shed any shame and help the next generation of humans find uncomplication. So listen to this episode with someone you love because you know what time it is. It's business. It's business time.
2: You know when I'm down to my socks. It's time for business. That's why the call business has to do.
0: It's so I have to ask the big question first. Um what celebrity did you have a crush on as a kid?
1: Britney Spears. Britney Spears.
2: Really? Oh wow. Ew.
1: <laughs> <laughs> was that like a big thing in Texas? She mean- was <laughs> Beyonce was bigger in Texas oh man uh, I think I would like on, that answer like, better
0: <laughs> about your baby hit me one more
1: time I'm like 99% certain Catholic
2: skirt this whole girl outfit I had that
1: poster it. on my wall my, I can't believe my mom let me have it but I did
0: so for you as a young James Britney Spears was the uh, sexual idol
1: Up, oh, yeah yeah up there <laughs>
3: not sure what that says about me. I'm a little
1: concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, you, dance, you dance so great, honey. Thank
3: you. That is accurate.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Is this a circle?
0: i yeah. Circle
2: um Leonardo DiCaprio, mm-hmm. Romeo right. and Juliet, Titanic, So hot. and JTT. Actually, but I don't know if he was a sexual icon because I was like in sixth grade. I just wanted to make out with him. Hmm. It's just kind of my whole story all along, even. <laughs> just just out want to make just out out with someone. <laughs> uh, So
3: this wasn't a sexual thing at all, but, like, my first, like... Tiger beat crush. Well, first person, like, that I, like, loved was Pippi Longstocking. <laughs> just because she was, like, this cool, like, strong, you know, girl or whatever. But it wasn't, she like, a crush or anything. Yeah, yeah, I, I just, just thought just she was super it. cool. Um... And but I then I was a new kids on the block fan, you know. Mm-hmm. I was definitely that generation. Mm-hmm. So. so one boy
0: wasn't enough, you needed a band. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what is that what does that say about me?
1: <laughs> <laughs> See honey, I found all, the, all, ride the, ride all the things. All the things in
3: one all package. Them, yeah. I'm a lucky girl. Mm,
1: mm-hmm. Whole boy <laughs> you got the right, right stuff, the James. Oh mm, he, nice, he, nice. Good,
3: I like it. And you sing party. Awesome. That's good too. Good
0: mm-hmm. dance moves. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. You sing pretty. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I, um, Who was yours? Yeah, so it's kind of nerdy, but Sandra Bullock in The Net mm. was, like, really hot. Because yeah, she was, like, really sexy and was hacking computers and, yeah, beating the man. So her and then um, Milan, or what's her name? Mila yeah. Jovovich in The Fifth Element.
1: Oh, yeah. Hot, still
0: just like...
2: <laughs> well, she's like the perfect human. Yeah. Right? She's
1: yeah. the
0: perfect human. Back so many genomes. Out. So many genomes. All the best ones. But on the same token, I mean, I kind of asked the question because it, it's interesting. I think that our introduction to sex and relationships and things come through media a little bit. Maybe our parents and relationships around us. And I also remember being, like, really attracted to, like, the girl lion in The Lion King. You know? Like, there's, like, sexual tension, like, mm-hmm. built into, mm-hmm. like, kids' cartoons and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. JTT was
2: Simba's that's voice. That's
0: true. It's
1: so amazing. I was automatically Aww, perfect, sexually drawn to, perfect to, to Simba.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like that Nala.
2: Man, dang it, that Nala. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So one of the cool things about like what you guys are trying to do, and it sounds like you started with your own relationship, which was really good, and now you're trying to do that with more people. And I love this theme, for the betterment of well relationships. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that I think we can dig into and talk about, about our culture and relationships and like problems, like relationships and crisis. But that idea of you have a good relationship and making it great is kind of what it seems like you guys are about.
3: Yes. So, James and I were engaged. This was 11-ish years ago. We've been married almost 10. So, we get engaged, and I'm a counselor, and so I'm like, you know, I think we should do premarital counseling. We're going to talk about, you know, just the important stuff. Like, I already had a son, so we're going to be, you know, this whole co-parenting thing. We wanted to have more kids. We are going to be living together for the first time, and money, and all the things, right? So, I was like, we should be really proactive. Let's go to premarital counseling. We'll sort through kind of this, and just try to, yeah, we'll be proactive, right, we'll helpfully avoid some of those, you know, early struggles if we've had these conversations, and we went, um, and the counselor basically really focused on how we fought, and conflict, mm-hmm. and all this stuff, and I think most people that go to couples counseling mm-hmm. are going because they're in crisis, and mm-hmm. so that was almost what she just, the model she knew, and what she assumed, and, She had us read Gottman's book, which, Gottman's are great, and they have, you know, since then come out with more stuff for, like, successful couples, but back then a lot of it was around, like, you know, what things cause divorce, and, you know, that kind of thing, so what you focus on expands, so James and I started fighting more. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> talking talking about fighting actually made us fight more. Oh, it was interesting. Angela does her homework. I'm a very good student. Yep. <laughs> so, good. so we're reading we, about we, fighting. Why are we fighting about these things. Right. We're talking about fighting, and all of a sudden we start fighting, you know? And so at some point, and we kind of kept trying to give her this message of, like, you this know, is this what is what not we're really for. what we're wanting to focus on. We're actually both pretty decent at conflict. He's a master negotiator <laughs> in his career. I'm a counselor, right? We're pretty good at this. Like, so anyway. It was at one point when, uh, in counseling, she was kind of going after James for something and I like felt a little defensive of him Mm -hmm. (laughs) and finally I was like, you know, this just isn't working and, um, I, we decided not to go back. (laughs) Um, and then we kind of were just talking and we're like, you know what, I think we've got this. Like, let's make a list of topics we want to talk about. We went away for a weekend, um, just the two of us and then we just tackled all the topics and set some goals. and. This was before um, you were married. Before we married, were married, mm. we were engaged, yep. Um, and, you know, decided who was going to clean the toilets. And, mm. you know, super important stuff. Do
1: you still clean the toilets? <laughs> you know, we renegotiate every year. <laughs> we do. In our uh, management of household duties. Yes, that's mm. true. Section. The great toilet embargo. Right, yes. <laughs> It's a negotiation yeah. tool for sure. Um,
3: he at least cleans one in our bathroom, <laughs> usually. Um, so anyway, we hashed all that out and it was really helpful and we set some goals and all this stuff and um but yeah I mean so the idea came out of we were we're like we're good and we want to be great we want to be awesome right we want this marriage to succeed like from the beginning and so um we felt like there was things we needed to do in conversations we needed to have and we knew with children like I said I already had Soren and we wanted to have other kids right away and so we're like that can get lost in the day-to-day like we need to set the time to have these important Mm -hmm. conversations to stay on the same page all this stuff so we just started doing it for ourselves um yeah and then we realized that actually a lot of our friends were like us right they weren't in crisis they might not need like counseling but they you know if they weren't careful could start to you know Hmm. grow apart right or get caught up in the day to day with the kids and logistics and the jobs and the things and so just how can we help people just live an intentional life get all the you know juice out of life that they want have the best they can in the relationship so And we have been to counseling since then as a married Mm -hmm. couple and it's been great and super helpful and help us figure out little glitches here and there, work through some kinks, you know, so counseling can be really great. But we just realized that um, from that experience that there wasn't a lot for the
1: couples that are
3: like doing pretty well, cruising along, but wanting, yeah. Yeah.
0: To
1: create strategy for your life, stay intentional about what you're trying to co-create together, while fostering and, and, and allowing for greater depth and intimacy, all in one beautiful weekend. Mm-hmm. It's our it's one of our favorite weekends, if mm-hmm. not the... Yeah, we, we, we love look forward it. To and it. so
0: that's for you guys once a year? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Once a year. So, we go away on our own. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a handful of times a year, we... Well, COVID threw a couple of little kinks <laughs> in that this year. <laughs> a handful, but a, but a few times yeah, a year, we are to able to facilitate retreats for other people and kind of guide mm-hmm. them through the process.
0: So Thank you. I think I have a, an interesting angle to... Uh, kind of go back to the beginning so we can catch up with today because today you are almost 10 years married it sounds like you started on a really strong foot and you found these ways to maintain that I was looking up some uh, statistics because one of the assumptions I have is that our culture as a whole has intimacy problems and challenges with relationships and Mm -hmm. I think that the counselor that you talk to is conditioned by seeing that often enough that that's what we get So I was kind of shocked to learn that 50% of Americans over the age of 18 are married. In 2017, 50% 18 and older are married. So that starting of these relationships is happening at a really young age. And that's actually down eight points from 1990, where it was even higher. So almost kids getting into these relationships, I assume a lot of that might be... um, cultural pressures maybe it's waiting to have sex until after you're married I think that's been a traditional reason why people get married so young but I'm curious because uh, I think the four of us uniquely have had great relationships with our partners and I mean we we started kind of young so we had to figure out a lot of the stuff yeah. it, it you know it was a, we, a work we were in process
2: kind of that statistic
0: <laughs> <laughs> not quite that young not and more. married but we were we, we've been together that long yeah so I don't know if we want to go like round-robin style or, or what, but I'm really curious from just our experience. I mean, you're a teacher, you see young kids, and I was kind of intentionally starting with, you know, your young crushes and kind of coming into relationships. We've all had kids now that are kind of of this age. Um, what do we see out there as, as parents and as people, what this culture is offering young people mm-hmm. that leads to these, these
1: problems? Uh, beautiful. Um... One of the things that I've worked really hard at since becoming a parent is the idea of being a sex-positive parent. Mm-hmm. So versus, you know, kind of what we're not giving them. On the flip side, what I want to give my girls is a healthy conversation around what sex is, um, how it plays into their life, right? How it's healthy, mm-hmm. you know, how it can be healthy so they know what that looks like and how to expect it. I mean, and even stuff, and it's interesting, like, I think about it, and it gives me, like, a small amount of shudder, but, like, I want my girls to know about pleasure as a function of what sex is. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. These types of notions and conversations come, coming up way too late in my life yeah. and having light bulbs going off in my brain when I'm with my kindergarten daughter at this sex and sexuality education class that we were getting called OWL. Our whole lives, and mm-hmm. right, so mm-hmm. that was an interesting moment for me, where I'm I'm sitting in the sex education class with my daughter,
0: feeling really uncomfortable. Six,
1: and I'm feeling really uncomfortable. I'm like, okay, like I need to take some deep breaths here, and I need to find a new space to come from because I feel this is important. More, I think
3: the part that was um, you had trouble reading was about like masturbation and stuff. Like, was yeah, that was just, that that was just something. Yeah, I would skip that page. Yeah, he would skip the page. I'm like, but yeah, because he just it's felt like really? uncomfortable it's talking about masturbation, with his, like six year old, mind. you know, yeah. like because he didn't grow up talking about it, right? Yeah. yeah,
1: just couldn't get there. I don't know. Those are like the experience of like shame from my childhood that like I hung on to mm. for a lot. Like having to talk to my mom I about this. Those he grew up in like
3: very religious Texas mm. too,
1: and it was like, not ever comfortable or like it wasn't. And then the absence-only education was just like furthering this notion that talking about sex or sexual parts or like any of that mm-hmm. was just like, well, we don't do any of that yeah, stuff.
0: Yeah, that's right. Especially with
1: to. your parents, like. Mm-hmm. So yeah, was, I'm a lot
3: more comfortable talking about it, which is funny because yeah, in so many ways, like skill I've been working. James with. is the one that's a little more like out there, oh, like the party extroverted, mm-hmm. like funny. You know, people sometimes crack inappropriate jokes. You know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But we get to talk about sex, and I'm like
2: we're all just Mm introverts that's what I've come (laughs) to realize Mm -hmm. Um, we actually use the high school version of Owl at Compass Mm -hmm. and um, it was huge for kids like they just don't have the space to talk about it and you know I'm dealing with you know a lot of kids who are coming out a lot of trans a lot of you know just that whole the whole sexual identity that I, I think was not discussed at our, in our generation is now like well like can kids talk to their parents Is like i'm a trans man how do i even tell someone that i'm attracted to that's gonna be mm-hmm. my sexual experience I, I found that like just really you know heartwarming that they, that these kids can f- feel safe asking asking these questions but for my own personal experience um i talked to ryan and And as much as, like, the drug conversation earlier on of the, like, you can't do this, you can't do this, sex was the, you can't do, Mm -hmm. like, right? You're going to have sex, you're going to get pregnant. Um, The big aha that I had was, um, I just was just reading in in a book that in the 90s when the HIV uh, pandemic came out. Like the whole sex ed curriculum was abstinence, Mm -hmm. right? We don't want to spread it. You know, you're a gay black man. You do not have sex, Mm -hmm. right? That Mm -hmm. is the story that Mm -hmm. was being told. And I grew up Presbyterian and I remember I had this sex ed course and uh, we each got a rose. This is so messed up. (laughs) We got a rose and we pulled off the petals of the rose. And it says, each time you have a sexual partner, your rose depletes. Ooh. Right, you become less attractive, you become less beautiful, you become less like Ooh. that gives me like right? chills and like, not in a good way. Was this for, was this for the girls yeah. and the boys, or just girls? it was for the girls and the boys? Yeah, mm-hmm. all the but but it, there was this like you do not have multiple sexual partners, and and so to your point, like you know, the decision to have sex. uh interestingly with my one and only partner Mm -hmm. is was like really a big deal Mm -hmm. for me that like this is who I choose and this is going to be it you know and Mm -hmm. that's just how I was raised and brought up and so um you don't do drugs and you don't have sex Mm -hmm. and you don't enjoy sex
3: I had some similar I grew up in North Carolina and we had abstinence only education when I was sex education when I was uh going through school and of course we had several you know pregnant kids in my school, (laughs) (laughs) because no one talks about how to do it safely, (laughs) so, right, um, that worked out really well, Um, but kind of same thing that, like, you know, the church I went to, definitely no sex before marriage and that kind of stuff, so I think, you know, and what that reminds me is I'm a Brene Brown fan, right, and so just even the idea um, of all the shame we carry around about sex in our culture and intimacy um, and that you know and so because of that i think there are people you know kids mm-hmm. essentially like you're saying out there who maybe they do end up having sex with their their boyfriend and now they feel like oh well i have to marry this person right mm-hmm. because we've done this mm-hmm. and this is only like the way to like wipe mm-hmm. the sin off of my mm-hmm. <laughs> plate as if i <laughs> marry them you mm-hmm. know kind of thing and um, so i think there's a lot of shame um and i think ultimately you know the shame then can i mean can be carried throughout our lives and really even when we are in a a marriage or a long-term partnership can really interfere with our intimacy right our our ability um i think vulnerability is one of the number one things that um, increases intimacy Mm -hmm. and i think that for my friendships too right if i have a friend that is willing to like tell me about some hard stuff they're going through and be vulnerable and I'm able to help them or vice versa. I'm able to talk to them about my pain and my struggles. Like it builds up to see in the friendship, same thing in, you know, our relationships. And so carrying sexual shame around, which I think we have a lot of in our culture, um, I think is a major prohibitor to intimacy with couples. And it's
2: generational. Mm-hmm. I think that the shame is perpetuated across generations, you know, like my grandmother never talked about it. <clears throat> my my mom mm-hmm. had me at a very early age, and it was an it was an embarrassment, you know, to mm-hmm. be pregnant so young and not and out of wedlock. Like mm-hmm. so, there's that shame there. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when I became sexually active, like like my parents were angry, mm-hmm. like they were mm-hmm. upset about it, and there wasn't a conversation there. Mm-hmm. And you know, the fire and brimstone was mm-hmm. very much like mm-hmm. in my. Early sexual experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's icky.
3: Yeah. I had I had soren when I was 24, so I wasn't a baby, but I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it was hard to tell some family members, right, mm-hmm. that I was pregnant out of wedlock and those mm-hmm. kind of things. Um, so, yeah, I think there's just a, a lot. Um, you know, I think the other thing about, you know, people getting married young or, or maybe not setting themselves up for success is also just a lot of those media images we get, right, mm-hmm. where, um, you know, even a lot of the, like, Disney princess movies. I was so excited yeah. when, like, Moana didn't have a love story in it. I'm like, thank you. Can we put something else in a children's movie besides a love story? Yeah. Like, they're, like, 5 They yeah. don't, like, they have other things they're interested in, too, you know. I was, I've been thinking about this a
2: lot, too, and one of my, I was, you know, just, you know, thinking about... uh Feminist theory, and I loved Rescue Rangers. And you guys remember mm-hmm. Gadget? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But the boys had to fight over Gadget. Like Gadget yeah. couldn't just be this cute little mouse, whatever she mm-hmm. was, mm-hmm. who like fixed things. Like yeah. Chip and Dale
3: had to fight over right. Gadget. You yeah. know, like there had to be some kind of love triangle. And just, yeah,
2: yeah, it was just yeah. I yeah. So I think we're, we're it's, it's
3: it's this it's this interesting thing. I think where we in a lot of ways sexualize our kids pretty young, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're looking at i being mean, I. Now, looking back and thinking about, like, looking at Seventeen magazine when I was in high school, that was a horrible thing for me to look at, for my body image, for my, you know. But so these messages are, you know, whether it's through, you know, movies or TV or magazines or, you know, music, right? And a lot of our kids get kind of this, I have to be sexually attractive, and all these messages super early, but then sex is bad, and we're not really going to talk to you about how to do it safely. And so it's this huge, like, tension, Mm -hmm. and I think just sets up
0: a really unhealthy Thing. that was a thing that struck me when I was trying to think back to my own experience because I'm sure for young males it's a little bit different than young females in certain ways but it's strange to me how the culture broadcasts sex mm-hmm. with this like hyper intense beam I mean the halftime show at the Super Bowl mm-hmm. or yeah Disney princesses all of these things are just so overtly sexual you have the actual conversation about like what it is and what it's not and What relationships are? I feel like at least in my upbringing, I had initial introductions through my parents of like how boys and girls were different, and the rest it was just like the culture and figuring it out on the playground. Mm -hmm. And a VHS
2: porn cover. Yeah, and we didn't have the internet, (laughs) so I remember the
0: first time my buddy was walking. We're probably like you know ten years old through a field, and we found like a water damage box from a porno video (laughs) and it just blew our minds we had never seen you know mature women naked Uh and we yeah it just opened up that whole thing (laughs) but i think the interesting thing is girls have a natural understanding early like they mature quicker than boys i feel like and so there's a there's a tendency to want a relationship or to engage in that kind of playing house type of role playing. Whereas I feel like as a young male, I was so clueless. And then when I was like getting old enough to have relationships, I was so awkward or nervous because I wasn't sure what to do. I'd seen a bunch of boobs on TV (laughs) and like, yeah, it was just sort of scrambled eggs, figuring it out. And as a, as a guy, like the dudes who got with lots of girls and whatever were popular. Mm -hmm. And
1: the girls that got with lots Those of guys were sluts. We're sluts. Yeah. Yeah. And the girls that didn't get with lots of guys were, were prudes. prudes. Yeah. Yeah. And Can't win. Friend zone. She's just a friend zoner. Yeah it's, really, it's, yeah, it's really... I think it's a lot tougher for women. In, in some ways, at least trying to gain, you know, people's understanding and respect for what their desires are over their own body.
0: Okay. Do you think it's different today? Or do you think it's the same as when we were kids?
3: I think... Um, I think our kids, I am impressed constantly with our kids and their ability to understand um, gender fluidity better mm-hmm. than we did mm-hmm. and sexuality better than we did in the mm-hmm. spectrum that exists. Um, I actually had a, a student I was talking to not too long ago that's trans and he said, um, you know, he's kind of Not wanting people to know, but also like sometimes I want to tell people or wish they knew. You know, we are kind of talking about it, and he said, Honestly, I think the kids would be okay with it. It's the adults I'm worried about. Totally. (laughs) And (laughs) I see that, right? Mm -hmm. I think he's right. Like, I think his classmates would probably be like, Yeah. You know, <laughs> cool, fine. Like, you know, they've just grown up, not all of them maybe, but like they've grown up in an age that is a little more understanding and uh, acceptable in that, but there are still a lot of adults that don't understand. and mm-hmm. So I think there are some ways in which, yes, we are getting better at understanding sexuality and our kids are getting better at understanding it. Um, and then I think a lot of it's still those secret messages mm-hmm. almost that we've internalized, right, mm-hmm. that were handed down to us. And then not that we even necessarily want to hand it down to our Mm -hmm. children, but, you know, James' comment earlier was like a perfect example. He's feeling really uncomfortable in this class. Mm -hmm. Well, kids pick up on that energy too, right? So, like, I always try, and I've had times when Soren's asked me a few questions, and I'm like, all right, play it cool. Play Mm -hmm. it cool, Angela. Like, (laughs) act like this is a totally normal conversation Mm -hmm. for you because I want him, if I feel comfortable talking about it, he'll feel more comfortable Mm -hmm. talking about it. But we carry that with us, and then we can pass that on inadvertently, mm-hmm. I think, to our kids. So I think it's getting better, but we still got still got a ways to go. It
2: feels like this whole year has been like, how much do you need to relearn? <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Rewind <Real wise. laughs> Like we did that wrong, we need a redo. Yeah. Like it's like this re education of yeah. so much.
0: I think the the thing that's um kind of powerful today is that the culture has moved from like i just think of tv when i when we grew up like i just remember everything was like coming through a tv and now it's almost reversed where it's like the seeking so a kid can get online and they can find out anything Mm -hmm. they can see highly graphic sexual acts with you know a few clicks just on netflix yeah, it's yeah. on Netflix and it's you know, more and so more It's on Outlander.
2: <laughs> Bridgerton. Right. right.
0: <laughs> so it's almost like and I forget who said it earlier, and kinda of what you're talking about right now, like relearning, it's almost like our kids are going to know more than we do now quicker than we ever mm-hmm. have. And the next wave of humans on the planet are they have a lot more openness. But I also don't know if it's being integrated in a way that doesn't just create more problems. Mm -hmm. Case in point, like, um, I was just going down a rabbit hole about communities of men and women on the internet that, like, abstain from masturbating because that has become such a problem for young people that it skews them so early that then when they're actually with a physical partner, they, like, Mm -hmm. don't have.
1: I think that's more if you're masturbating to pornography or if you're utilizing something so like some extreme Mm -hmm. pornography and that's the only way you can get to climax or get excited, right? As opposed to really being present with your body and really being present with the situation and sinking into that. So
0: perfect point. I think that's almost where as parents, it is kind of our obligation to lead them past that portion of it to the the deeper like connectedness and relationships and what's possible on the other side of just these crazy, over, dramatized, sexual, things.
1: Mm-hmm. That the sex part really for us we look at teaching our children to be a whole person by themselves, right? and that's what Angela and I work on quite a bit. And in our in our uh, retreat we have a section for self care. How are you being your best self? Because I desire angela to show up for me at her best which she can only do when she's at her best and vice versa Mm -hmm. so for our children teaching them about sex and sexuality as it relates to their health and to their existence and really connection to source in some ways um is our version of having them be whole so when they meet somebody else it's not two halves making one, Mm. right? So if I have half a pie and half a pie, I only get one pie, but if I'm a pie and Angela's a pie, now we've got two pies. (laughs) My nerdy math (laughs) brain talks about us. He uses a
3: pie analogy. I use a fraction analogy (laughs) because I'm a nerd. And I'm like, well, if you multiply a half by a half, you only get a fourth. It's less than Mm. you started with, you know? And I feel like that's what happens when couples come together that aren't whole. It's like multiplying fractions. Mm. It's even less than you started with, right? Mm. Um, So... But he likes pie. So. I love pie. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm yeah, <laughs> <laughs> This reaction I'm Thanks, love Ryan. Love got, <laughs> yeah. We got some chocolate. We got some cheese. We got so
0: so one, of the, <laughs> one of the uh, like, relationship uh, counseling moments that has always stuck with me was the thing that Joseph Campbell said. Because it, it is really interesting to me that relationships in past cultures where it was arranged or you didn't really have a say, those tended to work. I mean, as far as lasting and fulfilling that um, role of giving you someone to partner with in life, and anyway, in that kind of thinking, uh, he made the point that a relationship is really like a a third entity, that there's you and the partner and the relationship is something that you both are putting yourself into, and... That made sense to me especially when like my sister was going through a divorce and they were very much to your point like two halves and like how do they fit together and it wasn't going together whole and they were like um, and they're just one example but I think a lot of people get in a place where I want something different and you're not providing that or I am you know desiring certain things that you're not giving or whatever and so it's kind of the two pieces fitting together versus like we are individuals we are whole and together we're going to create this thing in between us it's a relationship that we're gonna put you know stock into and then over the years like you can take more and more out The one
3: that made me think of when you're talking about um, this idea that arranged couples and we actually have some friends who were in arranged marriage mm-hmm. they're uh, Hasidic Jews living in New York and um, and they're very in love and like have you know her have Only four eight, kids together yeah gonna go together. anyway but the interesting thing there um I was reading a book recently uh called bigger love and y- you'll appreciate this Kayla as an English <laughs> teacher um they're taught they talk in the book about how the Greek have eight different words for love right mm-hmm. and how language I think so affects our thoughts and then as a result our reality right mm-hmm. like how it's gonna what language I have is gonna affect how I talk about things and how I think about things um, you know, it's why like native Alaskans might have, you know, a hundred words for snow, right? Cause it's an important thing. So the fact that we say, you know, I love hot dogs in the same way that say, mm-hmm. I love my husband, like really, <laughs> which is also the same way I love my child, which is also the same way I love my friend and that I love my dad. Like these are different loves, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we call it all the same. And so I think what um, happens, and they address in the book as part of it is that you know this eros love, which is the the passion, the falling in love, right, mm-hmm. the what you have when you're mm-hmm. first together and you're engaged and all those things, mm-hmm. that that only lasts so long, right, mm-hmm. and then that fades. But if you're expecting that to be what you need for your marriage and your relationship, mm-hmm. you're setting yourself up for failure mm-hmm. essentially. And the arranged couples, you know, I would imagine. Don't often have that eros, right? Like they might, and so or they're not at least expecting that to be, and they um, can go straight to the to the like functional. this is a right, this is a <laughs> yeah. long term commitment, and you know, um, really that like in our marriage, what I want is I want all eight types, right? In some version, right? There's mm-hmm. going to be times where, you know. Uh, it is going to be that Eros and there's going to be some more passion and fire and things you know there's going to be times when one of us is sick or tired or injured and the other one has to take more of a caretaking parental almost kind of loving way you know Um, there's other times where it's the friendship love there's other times where it's the playful you know love Mm and um, and then there's kind of this more which a lot of people like agape think of you know in connection to the divine and I want our experiences there and like even our intimacy, we, you know, feel like that is a way that we connect with higher power source. And so, um, I think, you know, a lot of people are misled and thinking, you know, and again, a lot of that's cultural, that this Eros is what you have in your romantic relationship. And then when that starts to fade into marriage, it's like, oh, well, you know, the classic, Hmm. well, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) there's a lot of types of love here going on. Yeah. Hmm.
0: What a difference it would make if we did have more flavors to talk about. Mm -hmm.
3: More vocabulary around it, just so we could wrap our brains around it differently.
0: I have a friend who um, was uh, in kind of like an open relationship, and that worked for them. And I remember having a conversation with him about it, and he was bringing up something similar to that. It's like, a human and a human's experience is so big, how could we ever expect one person to fill all of those Mm -hmm. roles? And... I could see that being, you know, multiple sexual partners possibly, but also just not coveting your partner as mm-hmm. like, you're mine and you can't go out and hang out with these other people that mm-hmm. aren't me, that, mm-hmm. you know, I only have so much that's going to, you know, fill that mm-hmm. need and then there's all of these other, I mean, we can call it love, but it really is like what completes your experience as a human mm-hmm. and feeling that reciprocal mm-hmm. joy. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, and I think we do that with our friendships, right? Like, we have our friends that go camping with us, and we have our friends that are more of, like, our concert friends. Like, Mm -hmm. Kayla's one of my friends that likes to dance with me, you know? (laughs) Like, so we have friendships that fill those different roles or interests or desires. um, And, yeah, expecting your partner, you know, to fill all the buckets Mm. for you is not realistic right and there's some buckets we reserve for just us right um but uh (laughs) (laughs) which buckets are that yeah (laughs) (laughs) that bucket is all right right (laughs) (laughs) but yeah but yeah i have my i have my book club to read and discuss (laughs) books with me you know and i have my whatever that kind of thing and james has friends that like to go Mm -hmm. climbing and that's not really my thing so you know
0: (laughs) it's um it's also interesting because i think that um our Western culture is such a consumer culture that we're always being shown the next model car, you know, the next year's model car. We're always being convinced that our house isn't big enough or we need the next like this, this and whatever. And how can that not translate into relationship thinking? Grass is always
2: like, green or not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Need a van. Wait. Just kidding.
1: <laughs> yeah. Shameless plug for a van, Ryan. Damn <laughs> It's
0: costing me a lot. Um, yeah. So one thing that always strikes me is that, uh, especially when it's your business or something that you do really well, we tend to accentuate the positive. We tend to kind of like sell that aspect. I'm curious and we can answer this question too, but over the years, like, are there things that you guys have really struggled with?
1: Yeah. What are some Mm -hmm. of those?
0: Yeah.
3: We're perfect. I mean I am anyway, I don't know. i You're over too perfect. Just <laughs> been trying to catch up. I'm just trying to catch up. <laughs> uh, perfectly
1: imperfect is a phrase we use a lot. Mm-hmm. Um interestingly when we started really working together in love intentionally, it was pretty crunchy. Mm-hmm. Both, both of us were pretty autonomous in our own respective jobs up mm-hmm. until that point. Both kind of like ran the show and just did our thing. And then we'd start to come together and while we meshed together super well in all the other areas because we practiced that it just took us a little practice to get into the love intentionally co-working space Mm
3: -hmm. which I think we um we complement each other really well because we are pretty different like he's big picture creative you know all of those things and I'm like well, you know, okay, that's a great idea, but I'm gonna need to make a to do list to make sure yeah. we can get all that done. You know, I'm doing the minutiae, which the minutiae drives him hard. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, figuring out, you know, when we we're sitting down to have a discussion, like who's really driving this, like, quote-unquote meeting that the two of us are having you know it's interesting (laughs) (laughs) and he's like wanting to talk you know over here about the five-year plan and I'm like um but we have a retreat coming up in two months and I'm gonna need to like get on some of these logistics you know so um so that and honestly the other big area was sex and intimacy right um which I think we overall have had great you know sex life in our marriage um but it was a few years in a row the thing that came up at our, re- our own personal retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, having babies, you know, just sucks a lot of life out of you, yeah. you know, and my body wasn't really, between being pregnant and then breastfeeding, like my body was not my own for the first five years of our marriage, you know, because we were having kids and so then to like, be really energetic and excited about sharing my body at the end of the day with him was like, okay, can I just lay here? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The answer Um, was yes. 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 The answer was yes. Yeah. (laughs) For the record. I'm okay with that. Um, but like the, and the whole reason we do this is because, you know, and that we do it every year is we look at those areas and we go, okay, we want this area to be better. What are we going to do about it? Right. Mm -hmm. What's our game plan? How are we going to address this? Um, so yeah, we've.
1: It's finally counseling on that one.
3: Yeah, we went to counseling. Year after year, great. we just kept
1: trying it. You know, we're pretty great communicators in yeah. general, and so we just kept thinking we would get there. And ultimately, mm-hmm. counseling, um, a lot of it was uh, self. A lot of self-imposed frustration on my side. Mm-hmm. Back to that vulnerability and shame aspect, mm-hmm. and so through the counseling process, I was able to just open up, be more vulnerable with Angela, and.
3: Which I found really attractive. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was uh, like, "You're crying. That
3: is so hot."
1: Yeah, yeah I didn't. Wow, he did whole not time, feel I'm not so hot. To sexy cry. At all. I'm like, yeah, like anyway. yeah, the flip flop. Right. Yeah, just needed to yeah. tissue. you. <laughs> just needed um, to. <laughs> you know, and so releasing that and bringing Angela into, like, more of my sexual past—that mm. stuff that I was just not super ever excited to tell her about. And then okay. finally, yeah, right. just, mm-hmm. you know, all little things. I mean, there wasn't anything like earth shattering, but for me it was, mm-hmm. you know, and so to open up there allowed me to, I don't know if it was trust myself, trust her, but just be more present and, and feel, fully get to feel and experience our connection through intimacy in a new way. And uh, so with our counselor, and then we also got some help and training. Uh, we got a, a mentor, she's uh, a business mentor and also a sex and love coach, Uh, All-in-one? All-in-one. Damn. What's in (laughs) in that briefcase? Yeah, Yeah, she's lots of things. She's (laughs) she's a witchy woman. Uh, Alexa, Alexa that sex chick. Um, Mm. And so with training, like, and she really went back through about, like, Like the anatomy, how things work, Mm. and walking back through our previous experiences and having us reflect on moments that we were really grateful for in our previous sex sexual uh, life, Mm. Um, letting
3: go of the things, and then things that we wanted to let go of, you know,
1: like do woo exercises where we wrote it out and then burned the piece of paper Mm, so we could let go of you know those Mm. pieces of baggage, Mm. and then as we were going through those exercises. It was a six-week course in the first two weeks. The first week was all about us. It was like journaling and... Getting in touch with our emotions. I'm like, this is bullshit. Like, and I'm like, this I can't, is great. I'm, a, <laughs> <laughs> I'm paying here. this woman some money to help me to have me better homework? sex. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> right the <laughs> and then by week three, I just had the light bulb. I was like, I see what she's doing. And it just started to really click for us in a whole new way. Hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I think some of it was, a, and I think it can be somewhat traditional in gender roles, right? Where like, I need the connection before I want to be intimate. And he needs the sex and intimacy to help him feel connected, mm-hmm. right? And so, and now we've realized that we, we need both, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's just the maintenance thing, right, <laughs> to stay connected. And sometimes we'll create these more connective experiences together that fill, well, they were int- they were originally more to fill my bucket. And now James is realizing that that's what he prefers a lot are those connective experiences too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so some of it was just understanding e other and what each other's needs wants desires were um we got a lot of tools around that a lot of communication Communication tools yeah and we really you know big reason we did the course was so that we you know as couples that come to us that is an area that a lot of couples struggle with and so Mm -hmm. we wanted more training on how to help our couples that came to us and just like anything you know it ends up helping us personally Mm -hmm. a ton which also then because we've personally gone through it allows us to be very you very authentic and how, you yeah, yeah. you know, when we are helping other couples, it's like, yeah, been there. Like, mm-hmm. I get it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It is weird, though, how even though we all, like, know our partners as well as we do, there's still those places of shame or of, I, I remember this saying, I don't know who said it, but, like, men like darkness better than light because you can <laughs> hide things there. And I feel like there's all <laughs> these, like, little hidden things that probably wouldn't even be that bad, but just, like... It's terrifying to think of, like, fully stepping into the light and just admitting Name everything. your
2: shame, and it lowers its intensity. Name mm-hmm. your shame. Yep.
0: But having those, those conversations with your partner about what you do need and want, I, I know that in our relationship, we had... We've always had, like, a good relationship that we've always been able to talk and, like, work through things, but sex, we've really had to figure out on the fly. Especially early on. Especially
1: mm-hmm. early on. But, I mean... Um, We
2: flip-flopped. It's (laughs) been really weird. (laughs) Because, you know, being sexually charged at Mm -hmm. 19, and Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't go there. Like, I have (laughs) so much in my head. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and, yeah. But but the nice thing is, like, with this flip-flop, like, my sexual energy being, like, at its peak right now. Like, there's that. Oh, do you remember? Yeah, <laughs> like there's finally like some understanding. Oh, you get it. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah, there's been yeah. Like, we've been there for that long that it's yeah. like oh I see. It's, yeah, it wasn't me. It was all this stuff that was going inside your head. And yeah,
0: yeah. And I'm so like oh come cool. on. Here we are. Where were you like this when I was
1: 24? <laughs> yeah. <had> no job <laughs> and
0: like had all the time in the world. Yeah. for seven days
1: straight. And <laughs> the universe got jokes. Seriously. The universe
3: yeah. does yeah. got jokes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I married someone younger. Not <laughs> <laughs> That was, that
0: was
3: the true reason. There you go.
2: Yeah.
0: So on that little topic, it is is also interesting to me. And one of the things I wrote down here is that it, sex and relationship discussion is very different for men and women. I think. Like I know when you girls go out and talk. Okay, we'll come back and just like, yeah, we talked about, like, all this stuff. And it's like, well, shit, we go up to the cabin and James tries to crush me with rocks. Me, man. Me, man, yes. Yeah. Me,
2: not, not die. It's
0: really, like nowhere on the spectrum. So even, like, not die. Not die. <laughs> Didn't die point. But it, it is kind of interesting because I feel like you, and I don't want to gender, you know, gender type too strongly, but I feel like women have more of a support network with each other where they can kind of work through what they're doing, but I don't feel like guys really
1: have that. There's very few guys that I have openly talked which about which is
2: really weird because we thought that's all the locker room was
1: well it is <laughs> but it all is, but they it's, talk it's, about but it's not about intimacy it's not about connection mm-hmm. it's not about like how you are with your partner it's about like what i'd love to do with that yeah, britney sure, Spears sure, sure, poster. Sure. <laughs> hypothetically, hypothetically. <laughs> one word to have so it
2: like
3: lacks the connection Well, i think i mean i do think there's a big um you know it is gender roles that we learn right and that women we are taught to talk about our feelings and our emotions and you know you guys are allowed to express one which is anger (laughs) you know um and not necessarily with each other right um so there's a lot of conditioning around that thankfully we've found um some really great close friends that are you know men that james can have those more and yeah, deep and meaningful. Yeah, and then I'll even be He's like affectionate with each other, mm-hmm. you know, like like how we are, you know, how we hug each other when someone's crying. Like these guys will do that for each other. I'm like, yes, you know, um, and support each other and being better husbands and fathers and that kind of stuff. So, what,
2: what would you need for your male group to to maybe go there?
0: I mean, I think that every once in a while it'd be kind of a breakthrough kind of moment but it's very fleeting and actually when I was talking to Mike the other day who's like Mm. 10 years older Mm -hmm. and he just turned 51 and I was kind of making my gripe (laughs) about turning 40 next year Mm -hmm. he's like oh yeah I remember 40 like that was so rough he's like I feel like on the day I turned 40 like my testosterone just like disappeared yeah and he was kind of telling me as like a 10 year older male like some of the things so he was just kind of imparting this wisdom from like someone who's 10 years Mm -hmm. older and I was just like Yeah, where's the manual for all this? Where's, Mm -hmm. like, sex ed class that tells you, yeah, when you get to around 40 and you're working 50-hour weeks and you're all burned out and then your partner is, like, all raring to go and having her (laughs) sexual awakening, that, like, you might not be what you once were, and that's going to be rough.
1: (laughs) Like, fuck, where was that? Yeah, Yeah. I didn't get that manual.
3: Didn't get that manual. manual.
1: Maybe we could write that. There you go. Yeah, (laughs)
3: I think too some of that is you know at least in our our coupledom is um, talking about it right, communicating as much as we can, Um, and then for the person listening, the um, which is a skill I'm learning to not take it personally, right? (laughs) Like, um, because that's hard. And then also the um, which is you know I think something our counselor really helped with is like realizing which things are really about us and which are about some of those past, mm-hmm. you know, triggers, baggage, mm-hmm. whatever that I'm carrying along. And then, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, I know for a lot of women and something for me too has been this like feeling sometimes of not enough, right. There's all these, I put a lot of pressure on myself I'm a perfectionist, right. So I like to do all the things and do them all well. And, um, and so if there's anything that sounds like, you know, he might just be stating a want or desire, Mm -hmm. but I hear it as criticism. And I'm, he's wanting more. And, and James has been really helpful in this language. He's like, just because I want more doesn't mean what I have isn't enough. And again, he used the pie example.
1: Thank you. <laughs> He's
3: like, I can have a piece of pie and want a second piece. <laughs>
1: doesn't mean the first piece
3: wasn't enough. I like
1: pumpkin pie and pecan pie. Right.
3: So just because I want more doesn't mean like with, this with isn't grit. enough, you know. But in my mind, it's you know, and it was past stuff that I was caring about not being enough, you know. And then he would hit that trigger, not even meaning to, right? Mm-hmm. And it was really a lot more my stuff that I had to work on to to let him be able to say that and not be triggered
0: (laughs) what is that universal (laughs) it's just just funny what's What's
1: personal is universal
2: (laughs) i'm curious um about like what what kind of stock you take in uh compatibility like markers Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. you know we're both leos and i Mm -hmm. always found that like Weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't
3: know. like, I am like, oh, man, oh. I'm with three Leos. I tend to attract Leos, for the record. So this does not <laughs> surprise me. I'm all always a little Oh, a Leo, too. Uh-huh. Leo. That's
2: because we're lying. Yeah, look at this. Yeah, rain. like a little bit, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, really, Raya. really, Raya. really sexy. Raya. Raya. Or, or Raya. even, like, you know, enneagram numbers and, like, you know, just, like, is there any... Attachment
1: styles. There are so many data so, points out there. Is there anything that, there? like, people
2: bring... In, and we do like so, pre
3: So here's my take. This is my counselory take on those. And I've taken a lot of I mean, I felt like that was most of my grad school. Mm-hmm. I had so whole class where I just took a bunch of tests, right? <laughs> on my personality test, my Myers Briggs yeah, and my yeah. True Colors and you know, whatever. So there's so many. We do use some and our, you know, with our people on love languages, there's one that's the erotic blueprint, which is mm-hmm. kind of like the love languages, but for your sex and intimacy oh, life. And there's five mm-hmm. of those as well. Um what I find with those is I I think it doesn't matter so much if you're different in those or if you're lined up in those. Um, I think there's a lot of value in understanding them because those can give you the language mm-hmm. again going back to that language mm-hmm. thing to then understand your partner and mm-hmm. who they are and why they're doing that thing and you know um, that then if I understand it, I can be more honoring mm-hmm. of that Mm -hmm. trait or that difference right Mm -hmm. and so instead of thinking he's wrong because he's not doing things like I do Mm -hmm. those indicators can give me the language to wrap around like oh well you know his his love language is you know touch is affection Mm -hmm. right so I need to you know make sure I'm rubbing on his shoulder or back every now and then patting his leg Mm -hmm. you know that kind of stuff um because that's his love language and I can understand and then try to meet that need and What's versa It mine. Words of affirmation. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Which is great. I thought it was acts of service for the longest time. She didn't. Words even of affirmation is so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> you are doing great. I think yeah. acts of service is your favorite foreplay. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Well, like if Was he that gives like me mold words, the lawn
1: first, and yeah, the kitchen, mop the floors, the mop the floors. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, do the dishes. Yeah.
3: And what he's found is if he gives me words make of affirmation, the then I want to pet him more. <laughs>
2: you yeah. know, like yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah physical right? touch. Totally. This positive
1: cycle. Yeah. Um,
2: he just wants to hang out. That's his <laughs> love language. Quality time. Quality time.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quality, Quality time.
1: time. Adventure. Adventure. Compatibility. When people make this commitment to spend their life together, one, I think a lot of us culturally have out as an option.
2: Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Oh, this doesn't work. I can just get out because Mm -hmm. a lot of us are programmed by a parent at this point that I've had, that's been separated or divorced. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's okay. Right. And so there's that aspect to it. But for me, in terms of compatibility, what I really look at is, are you wanting to grow together? Mm -hmm. Right. Because in, in our relationship, we've made it a big point to always go through our big growth experiences together. Only one time I got outside of that, which was when this became like a non-negotiable. Uh, but I went to a Tony Robbins event, walked on fire, mm-hmm. came back transformed, and was just on fire, like, literally, yeah, figuratively, fire. And Angela's like asleep when I get home, and I like wake her up, and that conversation went so terrible. <laughs> well, time- I was asleep, for the record, that was
3: part of the problem.
1: I was so excited to be like, "This is our new life," you know, like, walking, talking about? She is, Yes, this is, it. yes. This is happening. <laughs>
2: Now, like the the struggle, you know he's getting to have all these experiences and like, he, you know he watched he watched this documentary and he's like we're not zipping up our children's coats anymore. I'm like what the. Fuck? <laughs> oh, that's a
1: good <laughs> one. Like, yeah, what, I'll tell me about that later. What are you
2: what? And you know he's watching this documentary. And he's so just bliss. in it. But if like I watched it with him, but yeah. instead it's just very like like yeah. let me hit you with another thing. Like I'm gonna do this crazy pod yeah. and like. Yeah. Come back like glowing and be like, oh my god, like the Theta Pod. <laughs> the <laughs> oh yeah, I've heard of that. Anyways, so you know, and then this has been something that we've really had to work through is that um, I always felt left out of all mm-hmm. of his experiences and he's like, but you can have them too. But then I was like, But wait but it this was a big aha is when I was like, Your experiences doesn't mean that I didn't have any. Mm-hmm. You know, and so just because you're like better at communicating them or that they're like more mind altering yeah. mm-hmm. or whatever like that doesn't discredit the story that I have too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so that was a big um, that was a big moment that was a big boohoo moment mm-hmm. yeah it's like don't don't make your story bigger than mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it is interesting because we've kind of traded off and on, like who's been working and who's not. And we've had a long stretch of both of us working, Mm -hmm. but like you took some time off when Hadley was born, and now it's only been like a month or so. But I am back into this, like, I'm going to go do a Theta pod today. I'm going to go on this crazy hike. (laughs) And I'm watching this documentary about Hadley. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Timing. But but I know that there are also couples where they were having different experiences or one of them really wanted to go climb a mountain and the other one had no interest. Mm-hmm. I, I still have this feeling that you don't always have to go on the, the same journeys together. But when you can do those things together, I think that makes them even more powerful because we have a common language, a common experience. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I would trade all the ones I, I have done without you for the like few that we've done mm-hmm. together.
3: Mm-hmm. And I think it's that and thing, right? It's the like, James and I do things separately sometimes, right? Um, it's not that we're constantly together and do everything well, together. Co- COVID um, a little bit. Well, we've kind of been <laughs> constantly together for the last year, but um, <laughs> we still like each other, so that's good. Um, but that we are intentionally uh, seeking out experiences where we are growing together, also, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, and if the other one is interested in something, you know, um, we talk about it, like, or if one of us, you know, read a really good book, I, you, you know, the other day I was like, yeah, you might want to go back and listen to chapter five. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was like a really good chapter just so you could, you know, refresh what I'm talking about. So, um, you know, just trying to share those experiences and then very intentionally seeking ones out together, especially if we, mm-hmm. you kind of know it's going to be a big experience, potentially mind altering or life changing, you know, mm-hmm. that we want to make sure we're staying on the same page and neither person feels left behind, so to speak.
2: Like liking a toad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not just, just like that. Just like that. Um,
1: We call them the, the you, me, we's. Mm-hmm. Right? Here's some things that I'm looking for for my personal or professional development this year. Mm-hmm. What are you seeking out for your personal and professional mm-hmm. development? Where do we overlap? I like
2: that.
1: And, that. and then from there, we can't do everything. There's zero possible way that we could accomplish absolutely everything and every idea we come up with on this mm-hmm. retreat. So we're really just focused on our top two or three from each area. And really our top mm-hmm. one from each area first. And then as that becomes normal, we move on to the next thing. Uh, and with, with the Yumi We goals, we get one of each, right, effectively.
3: And even just but talking about them helps us then be each other's support, cheerleader, accountability mm-hmm. on it. You know, even mm-hmm. the ones that are separate, right? So... He's wanting to make sure he's getting up and meditating every morning. I am help kick him out of bed when the alarm clock goes off so he can do that, you know, um, those kind of things. So <laughs> I
0: was interested in this. Um, in 1960, the divorce rate was 9.2%. Um, then it was pretty steadily around 20%, like 1980, 1990, 2000, 2010. And then in, I think in 2018 and 19, and even in 2020 with the, with the pandemic, it's down to a 50-year low of around 15%, which is a 5% drop, which statistically that's a lot of people every year. And so I do wonder if there are kind of paradigm shifts happening.
1: <laughs> a drop in divorce rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lowest I'm in 50 years. glad you did the research. That would, that would not, not have that been exact. my guess. Yeah, and I was right. looking
0: it up because I wanted
1: to bring you this table like, yeah, divorce rate's like 30%. <laughs> and it was actually like, whoa, it's yeah. trending down mm-hmm. the last three years. Interesting to see the happiness index of marriage mm-hmm. in those same mm-hmm. decades. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
3: right. yeah. I know Time Magazine did a whole issue on marriage mm-hmm. about a year ago, and um, one of the things in there they were talking about was the um, they they did say that in most age brackets, divorce was either stable or maybe declining a little mm-hmm. bit. The one area or one age group where it was increasing was empty nesters. Mm-hmm. and it made a lot of sense <laughs> to me you know and I think it's part of the reason we've done what we've done and do what we do is because when you are in I mean the thick of it of the parenting and the, each other yeah and the <laughs> careers and, and you, <laughs> like, right, you're just another thing right. or right. I know couples who've been great at you know one of my friends who's ironically now divorced but she said you know we're great at the logistics, and we can figure out who's taking who to soccer mm-hmm. and get it all scheduled out, but I forget to give him a kiss.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, um, and that was years ago, and they were still married, and now they're not. Um, but I think there's a lot to that, right? And sometimes we're just, you know, you're dependent, too, on that partner because to keep the all the gears turning and working um, and well-oiled machine of running a household, and then, you know, the kids move out, and then all of a sudden you look at each other and you're like, don't really
1: know <laughs> each other anymore, you know. Yeah, like, I want to go scuba dive, like, <laughs> I want to sit right here on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah,
3: yeah,
0: and really, James, to your point, like the divorce rate that's sort of the surfaced thing, mm-hmm. but actually, knowing does that mean more people are trapped where they're not happy or they're not because I would say them?
3: that was probably true for the 60s. That's what I was thinking yeah. when you said mm-hmm. that is like the nine percent or whatever it was in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. is that you know, I wonder, I wonder yeah. how many of them are happy or how many just stayed married because they felt the cultural pressure too. That
0: well, was probably the seeds of the 80s. Mm-hmm. I kind
2: of, you know, I, I dislike the word happy. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just do. I, I think about what we were talking about is growing together. And I think what people, they become stagnant. And they don't have that, that challenge that they can work on together. I think um, fulfillment in to, maybe is a
3: better yeah, right. word. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Fulfillment's an yeah. art, right? Ach- achievement is a science. But to be fulfilled is the art. It's to mm, be grateful. Mm-hmm. It's to yeah. recognize and appreciate yeah. all of the moments the that bring you yeah. joy.
2: I like mm-hmm. that. I don't know where this someone was a teacher, and there was a sign that said, "Parenting is a verb." Mm-hmm. And i yeah. like, "Marriage, you know, yeah. yeah. marriage yeah. love verb. is a verb. Mm-hmm. Love yep. is a verb." Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: and it's it's you know, in a lot of ways, it's a choice too, right? Like I choose to be loving mm-hmm. to him. Even sometimes when it's hard. <laughs> you know? rarely. I mean rarely. <laughs> True. I'll give you rarely. Uh but yeah, there's moments where, you know, one of the one of our phrases mm-hmm. is that it's it's better to be loving than to be right. I really like to be right. And I usually am if anyone asks me. <laughs> you know, but sometimes like I have to like give up my desire to mm-hmm. really argue my point and be right and make him see my rightness, you know, and mm-hmm. it's just like, Okay, just let's be just be loving and be done.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about how happiness is an emotion, but uh, fulfillment is like a state of mind, state. like you were saying. Mm-hmm. So part of being fulfilled is realizing that sometimes you'll be happy and sometimes you won't, mm-hmm. and being mm-hmm. okay with that. Mm-hmm. Because people who are purely seeking happiness are only going to be frustrated and disappointed.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, and that I've often, for me anyway... Um, you know, might go through something really hard and challenging. And then that breakthrough right from that, or the kind of next level I get to from that Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. such a high, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that is when I'm often makes it all worth it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, I try to remind myself that sometimes when I'm in the Mm -hmm. thick of something, right. That like, okay, I'm gonna I think
2: as parent, <laughs> take something from As us. parents, we need to remember that too. And you know, I, I I struggle with parents that say when I'm like, "What do you want for your kid?" And they're like, "I just want them to be happy." I was like, "That's not fair to them, mm-hmm. right?" It's not mm-hmm. fair because if they're not, they're disappointing you. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. What, what do you want for your kids?
2: What do I? I want them to be just enough challenged to keep them going to the next step, and to not be afraid to be. Exactly who they are. I'm really working on that with Hadley. Like she is a firecracker, and I'm just like, okay, don't, don't kill the fire. <laughs> don't, don't throw, don't yeah. it put water, water, water on the fire. Yeah. Like, just go, girl. Just shine bright.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think okay. she, like, I just I see these glimpses of her as an adult, mm-hmm. and she she's gonna challenge me in such great ways.
0: I love this question. I think we should all answer it. What do you want for your kids
1: uh i want them to live a life full of the things that bring them joy and i'd like for them to live within their authentic design mm-hmm. like really just flow the way that they're intended james to flow. said it better <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... the water on the firecracker I, I got it i know the <laughs> yeah. firecracker
3: yeah to echo what you all said it's um and for me it was the thing of like feeling not only like I'm enough, but that I am beautiful inside and out, right? Um, who I am, like, and, and one of the things I've tried to do with our kids is differentiate their actions from who they are, mm-hmm. right? And so you are beautifully, you're beautiful, you're perfectly designed, right? Like, your soul, I've even referred to it them as, but that inside of you mm-hmm. that makes you you is Wonderful. That doesn't mean you won't make some mistakes, but that doesn't take anything away from Mm -hmm. who you are, right? So that wholeness, to feel whole, to feel more than enough, to feel
0: worthy, to to feel,
2: yeah. Be able to take feedback and Mm -hmm. know that that feedback comes from a place of love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, I think we're beating similar drum beats. I want them to feel that they are agents of change and that they can be comfortable using all the skills that they have and whatever ideas they have to go out and and make the world what they want and and except when it's not how you want it to be but to show up and to be excited and to to keep going and so my question then on the flip side is based on your own answer for your kids is it different for yourself
2: no
1: (laughs) it's a good question no I mean, I want to go to Burning Man, and I don't know if I look out for my kids. (laughs) Yet. (laughs) Yet.
3: Uh, Forward.
2: I'm kind of curious about, like, what does that weekend look like for you, and then how does that translate into, like...
3: Um, The weekend. So we created... It really started as a Word document because it was just James and I doing it, and we'd have the topics listed, and we'd go through and discuss them and set goals in that area. So, you know, there was stuff around co-parenting like so how do we think we're doing um what you know areas do we want to work on tripod parenting yeah and then we'd have because soren has his dad here so how mm-hmm. are we doing there how can we keep that good or improve that relationship so we had the parenting stuff we had like stuff we talked about each kid like how are they doing hmm. what do we what things do we want to help them encourage or support them in what things do we need to help them work on you know we talk about finances, careers, health and wellness, spirituality, like kind of all the big Social areas life. of our life. It, it kind of developed over time to more outlined, guided questions. Now we have a, a workbook essentially like um, that we've created. And so people can buy it on their own and do a DIY one so they can take the book and we give them some other supporting materials and then they can go off just the two of them and do the weekend on their own. Um, some people prefer to do the facilitated one. We'll have five couples. Um, You know, we might start with two topics and say, okay, we're going to talk about, um, you know, family, time, and parenting, or whatever. Um, Go off and talk about your topics, since they all break off into their couples, talk about their topics, and then we come back for a debrief. You know, what ahas Mm -hmm. did you have? What obstacles did you come up with? You know, that kind of stuff. And the cool part of those is that the couples get to share and learn from each other. And so there's been a lot of, like power and magic in those spaces Mm. you know i mean sometimes there's you know people who have kids that are teenagers and then someone who has young kids and they're struggling with something and that older couple can say oh well when our kids were toddlers here was something we tried that really helped or the
1: mastermind idea when we get everybody together in that container just really great ideas flow a lot of creativity and also people are very willing to receive these ideas Mm. um in that space Mm -hmm. It's, it's a really neat neat place It's good stuff. So you guys created
0: this thing. Have you ever had moments in it where you're just, like, surprised by what you're created? Or, like, you've created a moment for someone that...
1: Cool. Yeah. Those, that's the best part. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: One of our biggest fans, biggest cheerleaders, and she's very vocal about on social media, which we appreciate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, they've been to a couple of retreats now, and the first one, um, she said, was the best thing that they had ever done for their marriage, and they've been together 10 years or so and so to hear that um was really heartwarming to see Mm -hmm. how much it had affected them and then them coming back the next year and uh she was also the one who called our book the magic book because she was (laughs) like you just write stuff down in it and then like it happens you know but like just by that like setting a goal and Mm -hmm. setting an attention and talking about it with your partner and then like you're actually able to achieve them Mm -hmm. and Um, they
0: just never done anything like that or what what did they actually do in the retreat that led to that kind of a Change. I
3: I think for them, I mean, you can chime in too if you have a different perception, but I think for them it was just creating a safe container to talk about some of these things, right? Like, um, and then get on the same page around their goals Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with some facilitation. They were both, as entrepreneurs themselves, they um, had done a lot of this in their businesses. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, you know, kind of same as us, like, why aren't we doing this for the rest of our life, right? Like, we do strategic planning in our business, like, (laughs) Lo- the rest of my life is just as much, if not more important than my business, you know? Um, so just helping them kind of get on the same page and reach the same goals. The mm-hmm.
1: impactful thing I remember him saying was, we just had the same, after did a breakout session, they went and had a conversation on a certain topic and they came back and said that, uh, he said they had the exact same conversation in their kitchen about two or three weeks earlier mm-hmm. and it ended in screaming and mm-hmm. blowing up and fighting. Mm-hmm. And they had the same conversation that day. It was day two. And it went very smooth and respectful. It wasn't without, you know, a bit of a confrontation or some of that mm-hmm. energy. Tension, yeah. Some tension. Mm-hmm. But they were able to work and move through it together.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: if if anything, I think that moment of their realization of how great they can come together and work as a team, mm-hmm. that seemed to be one of the moments that clicked the most.
0: We,
3: mm-hmm. oh, yeah. One of our, part of our mission is to plant seeds of expansive love. So our idea is that, um, you know, if it starts with us, right, it's that classic, like, be the change, right, Mm -hmm. you want to see. So, like, we really work on ourselves so that we can show up as our best for our partnership. And Mm -hmm. then from there, we try to help other couples get those seeds going and having their, you know, deep and meaningful relationships and their partnerships and then hope that that continues to spread. Right. And as it like goes out, it just multiplies Mm -hmm. exponentially. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the vision. Um, I think, and I think, I mean, honestly, I mean, I'm a little mushy, but I think love has that power. Right. I, um, I think it's the main reason we're here in life is to love. Right. And to, I mean, if I had to give away everything in my life and only keep one thing, I would keep love, (laughs) you know. Um, And so, and I think other people want that and desire that too. And so if we can just help foster that and foster it in a healthy way, I do think it, you know, and even like if these couples are able to go home and be healthier and happier and more solid like, that's going to percolate down to their children, right? Mm-hmm. And then those kids are going to school and being happier and interacting with their mm-hmm. peers potentially differently. I mean, it just has this ripple effect mm-hmm. is how I view it. So
1: we yeah. have a captive audience too. You know, people at the core. People make decisions around either solving a pain point or creating more pleasure mm-hmm. right? and when it comes to relationships, we get to help solve pain points while creating more pleasure. Trying to do both. <laughs> and it's an expansive aspect. So mm-hmm. as, there's a lot of big shifts going on in our world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so watching this desire for connection more than ever, mm-hmm. you know, watching people's pain more than ever mm-hmm. and having you know, one option, one opportunity for the people that resonate with it, to create more love in their, in themselves, in their relationship, in their family, mm-hmm. and in everybody around them. So, that's it's, it's why I quit my job. <laughs>
3: <I> <laughs> it's way it. cooler to sell love. Some, yeah, yeah. it is. Love, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Although I'm, I'm told we, I got to be very careful about phrasing it that way. I'm selling love. Selling love.
3: <laughs> you did call me a madam earlier. Back to that so madam. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you all so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was both entertaining and enlightening. No matter how good we are at communicating and working through the complexities of relationships, it's always valuable to hear different perspectives and to know we're not alone in this lifelong journey of love. If you want to learn more about James and Angela's biz, you can check out loveintentionally.co. Pick up their magic workbook, check out their mini courses, DIY retreat kits, and maybe even throw your hat in the ring for a full-on love camp. We put so much intention into our work and projects. What could be more important than shining some of that light on our own loving relationships? If you have been enjoying the Uncomplication podcast, I sincerely hope you'll take the few seconds to find us on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. And to share this with your pals on Facebook or texts or tweets or however you spread good stuff with your peeps. So stay tuned, because there are a lot more great episodes coming your way in the weeks ahead. And remember, uncomplication is a state of mind. We are all right where we need to be. Until next time, cheers.
2: Business hours are over, baby. It's